Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3. In the spotlight today, we speak to Eleanor Smallwood, host and producer of Partner Hub, BBC World Service, for the biggest stories they're tracking in the week ahead, including that news about Russian President Vladimir Putin's visit to the ex-Soviet state of Armenia this week for talks. Hi, Eleanor. Good evening, Melissa. <laughs> Thank you. And it's uh, good afternoon at your end or still late morning? Still morning, but uh, okay. edging towards the afternoon. Okay. All right. We won't keep you for too long because in Singapore, we learn not to stand between a person and the, and the food, right? So, okay, let's look at, <laughs> let's look at what's happening with uh, Russian president. Uh, he's going over to Armenia. Uh, in a couple of days for talks. And what's going on there? We have the clashes with neighbouring Azerbaijan on the agenda. So why is he making the trip? As if he doesn't have enough on his plate. Well, quite. So Vladimir Putin is to be a part of the discussions in Armenia's capital, Yerevan, with the goal really being to maintain peace between Armenia and Azerbaijan. There have been a few talks like this held over recent months concerning clashes between the two former Soviet states. Mr. Putin has positioned himself in the meanwhile as a kind of mediator uh, during these meetings. Now, none of this is anything new. The hostilities between these neighbours stretches back decades, centering on a region called Nagorno-Karabakh, which is internationally recognised as part of Azerbaijan, but until 2020 was controlled by the majority ethnic Armenian population. It all began following the Soviet Union's collapse in 1991, when ethnic Armenian separatists broke away from Azerbaijan, opening up the ensuing conflict. Now, the recent confrontation in 2020 saw over 5,000 soldiers losing their lives during the six weeks of fighting, and it also resulted in many people fleeing from their homes. So there will be a lot of people hoping that these fresh talks will work towards securing peace. Now, the two sides of Armenia and Azerbaijan met recently and agreed to not use force and stick to agreements that aim to end recent fighting, which has been praised by Western governments, including the United States. But it's important to note that the talks are taking place with the Moscow-led Collective Security Treaty Organization, CSTO, which is a military alliance, and it does not include Azerbaijan as a member. And without them being at the table, people watching these developments will be waiting to see what's proposed and whether it's anything that can really materialise, given that one side's not really involved. And on Armenia's part, they've in recent months asked this military alliance to intervene in the hostilities, but this hasn't happened. They did actually, though, send a fact-finding team uh, to the region. Mm, But do you see Russia actually playing some kind of peacemaker role here? Well, it remains as a nation a regular presence in that part of the world. Uh, During the outbreak of violence in 2020, it was brought to an end partly through a Moscow-brokered peace agreement, which involved the deployment of about 2,000 so-called peacekeepers. The Kremlin will definitely be keen to maintain a high level of influence within the region because it's just so close to home. Azerbaijan shares a border with Russia. So stability within these two ex-Soviet nations is 
for sure in Russia's own interest. Mm. For, in terms of President Putin, uh, he will be very keen to cultivate an image as a vocal peacekeeper, which isn't necessarily a straightforward task because mm. it's been challenged by both Armenia and Azerbaijan and the <laughs> European Union has done work to fill in the gaps. And something, of course, to bear in mind that going on, like you alluded to earlier, Russia is very much focused on its own invasion of Ukraine, exactly. and that has changed its image drastically and mm. isolated it a bit on the world stage. Mm-hmm. Unless strategically it makes sense to have some distraction for the world uh, when there's another flashpoint happening uh, elsewhere, right? Well, exactly, yes. Yeah. So uh, President Putin will really hope that this might uh, rebuild his image and mm. make him seem mm. as a bit of a peacekeeper. Mm-hmm. Mm. There's another part of the world that seems to be agitating a bit, um, although it's it's for now it, it does appear a lot more internal. Um, protests continuing in Iran over the nation's clerical establishment. Um, we know that the United Nations is planning to hold an emergency session on the situation. What do you know? about this. Yes. So the the protests in Iran have caused open concern within the international community and there's increasing discussion over the Iranian authorities' response to the protests. We've seen the captain of the nation's football team voicing concern about the political crisis, calling for change. And on top of that, a few of their other football players have refused to travel to the World Cup because of the ongoing unrest, saying that they are doing so in solidarity with the protesters at home. Now, the United Nations has voiced its own concerns about what's going on in the country and has asked the regime to stop indicting people with charges that are punishable by death for participating participating or allegedly participating in any kind of demonstrations. A number of people in recent weeks have been charged with, quote, waging war against God, and we've Mm. seen multiple death sentences handed out. On top of that, there's been a lot of concern over the the overall number of deaths that have happened amid the unrest. We know Mm. that at least 300 people have lost their lives. So the UN session later this week will address all of that, Mm. and we'll have to wait and see what comes out of it. But the UN statement suggests that there will be an effort to set up a kind of international investigative body. Mm. which could, in theory, try to address any human rights violations. Mm. And do you see surrounding nations being concerned about any sort of spillover potential? I mean, if we remember the Arab Spring, right, what happened during that period? Oh, definitely. I think whenever these things kind of come up, it it does make places, particularly where the, the political structure is similar, um, slightly concerned. So lots of people are closely watching this, particularly given that it's been going on for quite a while now and has has not really in any sense quelled. Mm. If anything, it's becoming uh, more, more and more severe. And uh, we're hearing all of these stories of very high profile arrests, mm. um, which are going to continue to kind of make the the unrest swell uh, Mm -hmm. in all likelihood. Mm. And on a lighter note, if we can call it lighter, (laughs) this week marks 100 years since explorer Howard Carter entered Tutankhamun. Am I pronouncing that correctly? His tomb, King Tut. Right, I think we 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 we're more familiar calling yes. that. Yeah, uh, his tomb in Egypt for the first time. So that was a hundred years ago, right? And scientists apparently believe that there's even more to be discovered there. Oh, absolutely! Uh, people in Egypt are very excited, actually, about a new museum that's going to be opened, uh, exhibiting a lot of the nation's treasures. Mm. Um, but 
what's being really emphasised is the fact that Egypt is sitting on top of so many treasures that we haven't even found yet. Uh, so the, the hope is very much that things will be added as and when they're found uh, to the museum. And with regards to King Tut, theories come and go that there's a lot we don't know about him, including mm. the kind of ruler he was, really. Uh, and there's also a fair spe- bit of speculation about his health. Some scientists think that he may have had a degenerative disease affecting mm. his ability to walk, and his tomb contained many canes and walking sticks. Mm. And they also think he had a weakened immune system and died from mm. malaria, possibly. But theories do vary quite a bit, so there's a vast amount still to be agreed on, and in any case, his story continues to fascinate, and children study him in school still, which yes. is quite a feat, really. <laughs> yeah, even I remember, and con- I mean, the story continues continues to enthrall me. Well, Eleanor Smallwood, thank you so much for spending time with us here on Money FM 89.3. Lovely to have you. Always a pleasure. Thank you. That was Eleanor Smallwood, host and producer of Partner Hub BBC World Service. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A-W-E-D-I-O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.